Uh, well, if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3, what I want to talk to us about today is uh, His presence and eternity. And having uh, this whole series, we're talking about having a mindset uh, of eternity and having a grasp of His presence even now. Uh, really, the, the, the meaning behind that is so that we will be about our Father's business, so that we will be doing His work. And when we live with heaven in mind, and as we are aware of His presence with us today, uh, it gives us a greater focus. So, you know, why are, we, why are we ministering to Mooresville? Why are we ministering to the people at Abundant Life? Why are we going all the way to Jamaica? And I think in September, Dean uh, is supposed to be heading to Niger. Why are we doing these things? Well, you know, there's something about the presence of God that's reminding us that people need to hear the message of Jesus. And so as we understand his presence, as we live with heaven in mind, it drives us to that goal of telling people about Jesus and, and why we're doing what we're doing. I want you to think about this for a moment as you're turning to 2 Peter 3. It, th just a couple phrases. The greater your expectation is of heaven, the better life you'll have on earth. The lower your expectation is of heaven, the lower your life will be here on earth. How many of you know that your expectations affect behavior? Uh, for those of you who grew up with parents who were fairly strict, you know they had strong expectations and that affected your behavior, didn't it? And maybe you're parenting today and, and you can think about the expectations that you have. Or maybe it's your boss. Maybe your boss has very high expectations, and so you know how to respond to that. But when there aren't a whole lot of expectations that are given, um, it would be easier to maybe slack on some certain areas. Now, some of you are high-driven people, uh, but I think given the opportunity, any of us, when we have a moment to just chill out, we like to do that, don't we? But we're talking today about this. We're talking about having a great expectation of heaven so that we have a better life here on earth. So when I understand and I realize that Jesus is coming back for me one day and I'm going to be standing before him to give an account of my life, it truly does affect how I live on this earth here. Because I will have these little thoughts of, you know what, if I do this, it used to be, if I do this, mama's not going to be happy. <laughs> and when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? But even on a greater scale than that, when I understand that I'm going to be standing before my Savior, it, it truly does affect how I'm living here today. We must learn to live with eternity in mind if we really want to live life on earth the way it ought to be lived. And also understanding this, it's not, a just, it's not just about me standing before Him one day. It's the reality that He is here with me now. His presence is re residing within me now. Now, last week we talked about how it is possible that Christians even live in defeat because of poor expectations. I must make the life to come bigger than the life that I am currently living. I have to live with this mindset that there's something bigger that's coming. My focus has to be shifted into eternity. Now, you've heard the statement, I think we made this last week, you don't want to be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. But I've always taken this aspect, uh, this, this thought away from it. If I'm heavenly-minded, 
I'm going to be hopefully more earthly good because I understand what's coming. And I understand that there's people around me who are dying and going to hell every single day, people who don't know Jesus. So when I think about eternity, when I think about heaven, it drives me to do what I'm doing now. So let's turn to, uh, well, you already turned to 1 Peter. Let's start in verse 1 uh, here and see what the scriptures say about this. As, as uh, Peter's writing here, he says, This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. So there is his purpose. He wants to stimulate thinking, and he wants to refresh their memory of some things. So let's see what, what it is that he's looking at. I want you to remember that... Remember what the holy prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded you through the, through the apostles. More importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? For uh, from, from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Now, maybe you have asked that question in a different way before. When is Jesus coming back? I thought it would have happened by now. Look at the world around us and what misery and turmoil and trouble it's in. Why is Jesus not coming back? Peter is calling these people scoffers in the sense that they were mocking this idea. Oh, so I thought Jesus was coming back. So I thought he was supposed to be returning. I thought God, you know, and this was only a few years into after Jesus had actually died upon the cross. So there's these scoffers that are coming. Scoffers or mockers, they will dismiss the eternal so that they can live how they want in the flesh now. And Peter's addressing this. One, he's saying, don't slip into this. Don't allow yourself to be a, a scoffer and a mocker so that you can dismiss what is happening in heaven, that there will be a heaven, there will be a judgment, so that you can live however you want to now. Maybe that was you one day. Maybe you know people who are like that. I think we all know people who are like that. There, there's no God. We hear people say that all the time, don't we? There's no such thing as God. There's no, everybody, or they may even say everybody's going to heaven. But it's this mindset that you can live however you want in the flesh now. So where is God? See, when scoffers can get God off their mind, the easier it is to not worry about the future. If I'm not thinking about God, I'm not worried about the future. If I'm not thinking about, let's bring this down here. If I'm not thinking about retirement, I'm not going to save for the future. If I'm not thinking about heaven, I'm not going to be building up treasures, heavenly treasures, for the future as well. And by heavenly treasures, I mean those good works that God has, predestined, has destined for all of us to, to walk in. What the enemy will do, and, and church, listen to this very carefully. This is what the enemy will do to all of us. He will seek to make this world bigger and eternity smaller so that we can live how we choose and to fulfill our own lusts. He will make everything in this world so much bigger. Look at this. Look at this opportunity. Look what you can do. Look at this pleasure that you can fulfill. And he will make eternity smaller. Well, you know, it's going to be a while before Jesus comes back. We've also maybe said this or heard people, you know, later on in life, I'll, I'll give my life over to Jesus. But right now, I'm going to live how I want. I've, I've actually heard people say that. You know, I'll have an opportunity how many of those folks have never made it to that opportunity? One, because their life was, quote, taken too soon, or they just never got around to it. And Peter is encouraging these people, don't let that be you. Some of these folks, even church folks, will do enough God and church, I put that in quotes, they will do enough God and church to cover their bases. 
well, I'm going to, you know, I'll go to church uh, today and um, it'll all be good for the rest of the week. I think of some of my friends who, um, you know, they'll go out and this is from several years ago, they'll go out, they'll live, and then they get to go to confession on Saturday night or on Sunday, live however they want through the week, and then confess to a person and think that that's okay, they're covered at that point. You know, that's not just to one denomination, by the way. Sometimes even evangelicals will do that. You know, I'll live however I want through the week, and then I'll go to church on Sunday, and I'll repent, and everything's all good. Peter's warning against that. Because when scoffers or ungodly, maybe in your, your schools you have ungodly professors or teachers, maybe you know some atheists, when they begin to mock the existence of God, Peter is going to remind them of two things. It says Paul up there. It should say Peter. I got those mixed up. That was my bad. P Peter reminds them of two things. Here are these scoffers. They're saying the things that they're saying. Where is God? What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? What about all this? First of all, Peter says this, God put everything there to begin with. Everything that you see, God put it there to begin with. Verse 5 says this, They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens by the word of His command, and He brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. See, God has always intervened in history. God created it. And Peter is reminding them that that's the case. You can scoff all you want, but don't forget the things that you are scoffing about, God created. God created those very things. When we deny his existence, we don't have to be accountable, do we? Think of it this way. Think about first-year college students. Maybe this was you, but when you went away to college, when I went away to college, one of the first things that I thought about was, hey, my mom's not here. Where's the accountability? Now, I was at a Bible college, so there was a little bit more accountability, maybe, <laughs> that was there. That's not always the case, right? I mean, it's, you, you would like to think that Bible college is everybody's there to, to please God, but sometimes that's not the truth. Um, and that's just the reality of it. But think about it from that mindset a moment. All of a sudden, restraint is cast off, accountability is cast off, and I can do what I want to do. Don't have to be accountable when I deny God's existence. Just like when I realize, hey, my mom's not here. Let's go party. No, praise God, never did that, but that can happen. B, or the second point that we want to bring up, God, uh, Peter, Peter reminds us of two things. God put everything there to begin with. And secondly, church, there is a judgment. We hit on this just a tiny bit last week. There is a coming judgment. Verse 6 there. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Verse 7 goes on to say, And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for a day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Now, this is heavy stuff that Peter is bringing here. And church, we need to hear this today. There are people who will be destroyed. Ungodly people will be destroyed. And that is not a cause for celebration. You may have enemies. You may have those that you're aware of, even in world history, who, um, you know, think about the enemies of the United States. Think about people who are deliberately killing Christians by the way that's going on right now. It's happening right now. Christians are being killed. And we may think, get them, God. Now, David prayed that. He did. 
But here's the sad reality. There are people who are dying and going to hell. And you know what? They need Jesus. If they found Jesus, you know what would happen? They would be less likely to go around killing other Christians. Jake, I'm getting a lot of ringing up here. Um, all right, thanks, buddy. I don't know if you could hear it back there or not. Jake's awesome. Um, so when, when we read out of that, we see that God's judgment, it was coming. See, Noah was responsible to tell the people that it was going to rain. And, and he did. Guess what? It had never rained before. And he preached this message for 120 years. First of all, can you imagine living that long? What's it like? Just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to be gone for two weeks, Mr. Stowe. I'm just... <laughs> he preached a message for 120 years that it was going to rain, and it had never rained before. Of course these people were going to scoff. Of course they were going to mock. The message that he had, that Noah had, went against what everyone knew. You know the message that you bring of salvation will probably go against what people believe and what they even want to hear, but we must preach this message. God's word is true even though we may not see it now. He is returning for his church. And his presence within us, his Holy Spirit reminds us that that day is coming and we need to spread this message. How do we know this? Because God intervened in the past. He did it in the days of Noah, and he will do it again. There is coming a judgment. We must tell others about the reality of God in eternity. There is a judgment coming. See, here's, here's the story with Noah. Here's the secret with Noah. He could live a different kind of life, building an ark, waiting on the rain to come, obeying God, because he was looking at a different kind of word, and it was the word of God, word from God. Now, yes, this was being written. The Old Testament was being written at that time. But he heard a word from God. And that assurance that God gave him allowed him to preach a different word. Church, God has given us a different kind of word for this world. It is a word of hope. It is a word of eternity. It is a word of salvation. But it's also a word that flies in the face of what people are used to. Hey guys, it's going to rain. What do you mean it's going to rain? What, what is rain? It's a different word that we hear and we are to preach it. To develop this eternal perspective, we also are to live in the light of God's perspective. Now, this is the next couple of verses that we have heard before, uh, and, you may, and I want to explain this a little bit more. Verse 8 here says, But you not, must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Let's talk about this for a moment. Let's, let's explain this if we are going to live in the light of God's perspective. Okay. I can remember my mom saying this a lot growing up. When she was talking about being patient, waiting on God, she would use this verse. Let me bring this out for a moment. Why we have such difficulty with understanding this is because you and I live, we're going to use this word, linear, easy for me to say, linear, linearly, no, linearly, that's it, linearly, in a line. We live from second to minute to hour to day to week, to month, to year, to decade. 
That's how we live. We live linearly. I got it. Kind of like statistics. Linearly is how we live. We are bound by time. We live in what was, what is, and what is to come. Right? That's how you and I, we live. But God is the eternal God, which means he is not bound by time. He has seen, read the book of Revelation. He has seen the future, for us, the future. He has seen. Now, this is something I want to bring out and just think about this for a moment. God is not bound by time, so he is always present now. He doesn't live in the past. He doesn't live in the future. He is not bound, t- bound by, by time at all. God is not linear in his existence. He always has been. He always will be. He is always present now. We cannot use our watch. I don't have a watch, but I'm pointing to my wrist anyway. We cannot use our watch to measure God's timetable because think about this for a moment. I want to emphasize a day is like a thousand years. He's not saying that it is a thousand. You know, one day to us is a thousand years to God. It's like, I want to try to give you this understanding. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. We must live from the eternal vantage point. We must think about heaven while we maneuver through this life. See, God knows the end of time for us, right? God God understands all of that. Why is that? Because he's not bound by time. But we have to understand that vantage point as we uh, maneuver through life. Our memory verse... Paul, uh, Peter is going to address this whole idea about, okay, where's Jesus? Why, why hasn't he come? So let's look at this. You ready to say this together? Let's go. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Why has Jesus not come back yet? Why is he delaying? You know what? Because he loves sinners. And the fact that he wants them to repent. And he's giving time for people to know Jesus. You know who that responsibility rests with? Us. Can we save anybody? No. But we can spread the message. He is being patient so that you and I share the message with the lost. So he's not being slow about this promise of God's return. Now Peter is turning his attention here and he's saying, hey, believers, God's not being slow. You hear all these scoffers saying, where is Jesus? There's no such thing as heaven. He's not coming back. And Peter is assuring them, no, this is happening. God's not being slow. He wants you to tell these very people of the judgment, just like Noah did. Guys, it's going to rain year one. Guys, it's going to rain, year five. Guys, it's going to rain, repent, year 25. Guys, it's going to rain. God is bringing judgment, year 100. And he's saying these things over and over. This verse is saying, God isn't slow, but we are holding him up. Often we think God is the the problem. God, why aren't you acting now? God, why is this not coming to pass now? Now, there is such thing as God's perfect timing, God's time, well, God's timing and all of this, I should say. There's this thing of, of God's timing, but we can hold God up. I'm not that powerful. God is all powerful. 
he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound, whatever you loose. So yes, some of the responsibility does lie with us in this. God is only slow because we are getting in his way. Christians are holding up God. Now, perspective. We do not affect what God is ultimately going to do. He is much bigger. He is much stronger. His will. But he has chosen to include us in the process. I am thankful that God has given me the opportunity to be in this process of living out this Christian life. I, I like it when I get to be included on a process. You know, I was having a conversation earlier this week, and we we're still talking through uh, just planning for the future and what God is having for us. And, and, you know, I've been calling the church, hey, we need to be praying. What is God's will for us uh, as far as location, building here, tearing everything down, moving location, buying land, building there? We're beginning to pray now because we want to be in on, God, what are you doing? God wants us to be in on his plans. He has invited us to be in on his plans. The walk from Egypt to the promised land should have only taken 35 days by most calculations. So that varies depending on who does the study and how fast you're walking. <laughs> but the walk from Egypt to the promised land should have only been 35 days. How long did it take Israel to reach the promised land? 40 years. Whose fault was that? It was the Israelites. Why? Because they kept disobeying God along the way. They kept complaining. They kept thinking of their own thing. See, God's plan and his purpose was for them to go into the promised land. And they could have been there in 35 days, as short as 35 days. But they held up God's plan. Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years for the promised son, because they introduced the flesh into the situation. God was, you know, he didn't answer right then. She didn't immediately become pregnant. And so what did they do? They took things into their own hands. Sarah said, well, it's not happening, Abraham. So here is my maidservant. I mean, it's like worse than a soap opera, isn't it? They introduced the flesh to bring about God's plan. And what did that ultimately do? It delayed God's plan. 25 years they had to wait. And they were already old, but they had to wait. These examples did not change God's promise, did it, but it did affect the timing. God is waiting on us with regard to timing, not the promise. The promise of heaven is there. The promise and assurance of his presence is within us, telling us, hey, it's happening, but what are you doing about it? There are people in your workspaces, there are people in your neighborhoods, even within your own family, who need to hear the message of salvation. It's not up to us if they respond, yes or no, but it is up to us to tell the message and to encourage it and to exhort and say, hey, this is a real thing, just like Moses did. There are believers who have had to wait years for the promise 
because they didn't submit to God's perspective and plan, which is why we must have an understanding of God's perspective and plan. We must have a perspective on eternity, and we must have an awareness of the Holy Spirit who is within us right now. Because often when we're waiting on God, this is my experience, when I have been waiting on God, I have not been following his plan. When God says, I want to bring you to a place of health, yet I'm not changing my lifestyle. When I want to bring you to a place of financial security, but I'm not submitting my finances finances to him. You know, all, maybe these different just examples that we can take here, but we must submit to God's perspective and his plan. More important, there are lost people who need Jesus that we refuse to witness to. And we'll even pray things like this. God, could you send someone else? Do you remember when Jonah did that? I don't like those people. God, you need to send somewhere else. I'm going this way. What did God do? Well, God had to get Jonah's attention. Now, he can use somebody else, and, and he may have to do that. But God got Jonah's attention. Why are people not coming to Jesus like we hope? I think it's because of this, and even in my own personal life, because I am not, we are not doing his will with eternity in mind. I face people every single day that I know don't have a relationship with Jesus, confession time, I keep my mouth shut because I don't want to offend. I don't want to pressure. I don't want to come across like, you know, the pastor who's beating the Bible. We don't have to do that. We just share the goodness of God. I just share the goodness of God. You and I have a part to play in God's timing when it comes to these matters. It's just, let me read that again. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So for your sake, he is the, because of your sake, he's delaying because, David, you're not out doing what you're supposed to do and preaching the message. Think about heaven. Remember my spirit is within you. I'm preaching to myself this morning. I'm, I'm giving myself a pep talk, okay? Because I've got a message to share. You've got a message to share. And it, these types of messages do not come exclusively. As a matter of fact, I think very minimally, minimally, these messages come from a platform. Because if you look around, this room is filled with believers, not unbelievers. So we're equipped here today, football huddle, we come together, we get the plan, I've said this before, and we go out, we're on the playing field, and we're telling people about Jesus. I need to be better at this. I want Jesus to come back. I really do, soon. I'm loving life here on earth. I'm loving being married. I'm loving being a dad. I'm loving being the pastor of abundant life. But can you imagine how much better heaven will be? So much better. Thirdly, we are to live in light of God's priorities. So first we saw that we are to live in light of um, God's word. Live in light of his perspective, which is timing. And thirdly, live in the light of God's priorities. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. 
Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, this uh, what holy and godly lives you should live. Let me read verse 11 again. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. See, the Bible tells us in various places that there will be a new heaven, a new earth. That means everything that we see now will be destroyed. Here's a question I heard this week. Good question. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed, why are we treating them like they won't be destroyed? Since everything around us is going to be destroyed, why are we treating them like they won't be destroyed? And I'm talking about an earthly focus here for a moment. You know, we're focused in on possessions and material things, and, 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 and you know, those, we need those things, but let me just read this. The car, the house, the money, the success will all be destroyed. You've heard it said, you can't take it with you. Yes, we need houses, we need cars, we need money to you know, live life to do these things, but we do not need to learn uh, to lose an eternal perspective and make idols of things that will burn. This is what he's saying here. We are to put these things that will be destroyed in their proper perspective. God has given me these items to steward. That was a message that we had a while back, to steward these things, not for them to steward us. So hold on loosely not intimately to the things. We love our house. You've heard me talk about this. But what if God were to say, all right, your time in the United States is over. This is the question we all don't want to hear from God. He's making us move to another country. What if he were to say that your time in the United States is over, you need to sell your house and move? Or what if your time in North Carolina is over, you need to sell your house and move? These are the things that I'm talking about. Hold on to it, take care of it, but put it in its place and have an eternal perspective of the will and the plan of God. Wow, that's a, that's a big expectation. Right, I'm just talking about, I'm not saying God's going to make any of you move, okay? I hope he doesn't. I don't like it when people like Clay have to move. <laughs> I don't like it when um, Wyatt, which by the way, we prayed for Wyatt last week. His deployment has been delayed for two, to October, uh, government stuff that works that way. So anyway, it was delayed. They quit the program he was going into. And so anyway, he's delayed till October. I don't like it when people have to move away, but what if they're following the plan of God? Hold on to these things loosely. In the next few verses, Peter tells us what we should look at. Verse 12, he goes on to say, Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. How do we hurry it along? We've got to do the will of God and spread his message, right? On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt into the flames. We can hurry his return if we do our job as Christians. Maybe we should, well, he says hurry it along. I'm thinking we don't delay it, but it's what Peter says here. We will do our job if we live with eternity in mind. I'm just challenging us today. Let's think about heaven. Let's be aware of the presence of God that is within us right now, reminding us of heaven. 
Allow his voice to speak to you so that when you come across those people who don't know Jesus, you're not ashamed. Not necessarily ashamed. I think sometimes it's fear. I don't think it's we're ashamed of Jesus, right? Maybe we're just a little fearful so that we're not fearful to spread his message. Verse 13. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he promised. See, there's that word. He promised it. A world filled with God's righteousness. We will experience God's righteousness then as we focus on his presence and eternity now. Verse 14, And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and that are blameless in his sight. You notice he just went from talking about scoffers who didn't care to now to believers who are making every effort to, found, to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. I wish we could explain, and, and I think you're right here with me, I wish we could explain to unbelievers the peace that we were able to experience as believers. You know, just so many instances, even this past month, where just family members, um, friends, acquaintances, just, man, you guys, they're just, whenever I walk into the church, whenever I walk into your home, whenever I walk into your place of business, there's just a peace that's there. You know what? Here's what it is. It's not because we're great people. It's because we have the presence of God that is within us. Everywhere you go, you take the presence of God with you. And I don't know the reference because it just came to my head. Blessed on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. I think within there, I need to look that verse up for second service. But I think within there it talks about peace, bringing the gospel of peace. I may be combining two verses there. But where we go, we're taking the gospel of peace with us. Use that as an opportunity. Use that as an opportunity. People want peace. Our shift, our our focus must shift. You will live better in this life if you look forward to that life. What do I mean by that? You will live better today doing the will of God as we are focused on eternity. I want to focus on eternity, not so that I'm not doing my job now, but so that I will do my job better now. I want people who don't know Jesus to be there with me. People need to know Jesus. Luke, will you come on up and everyone, we can stand as we're just taking a few moments. I want us to um, take a few moments on reflection here, just you and God, that your prayer is something like this, okay? God, will you help me be reminded of your presence and have an eternal perspective this week? Can you just take a few moments and um, just begin to ask God to remind you of that this week? Thank you, Lord. God, that you would give us a reminder of your presence. God, that we would see heaven each and every day. God, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
As I'm praying, I'm, I'm just, the, the last point just keeps coming to my mind. God's priority versus my priority. And I, I want God's priority to be my priority. So that just keeps coming to my mind. God, what is your will? What is your priority? May we be people who live with that in mind. Amen? His word is good. His promises now are good. His assurance of heaven is good. And uh, he's given you his word. I am just so thankful for this church. I am so thankful for the phone calls and the texts that I get of you sharing your faith. Man, don't stop. Don't stop because I, I know that God is pleased when we do these things. And, and today is, is just a reminder for me. Today is a reminder I pray for you. It's not that we're not doing it, right? I mean, we, we can't say that. We're sharing our faith. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. Amen? Doug and Lisa are going to come up and pray for us uh, on the way out. And uh, I want to encourage you to take advantage of their uh, willingness to pray with you through any situation of, that you may be experiencing now. Uh, Mark and I were just talking before service and, you know, making things like God, statements like God has told us to lay down our, to take up our cross and to follow him and to give up our life. And, 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 and often that can result in some uh, conflict within our mind. And, we, you know, God, we, I just need some prayer right now. Can, can you help me through this? So allow them to pray for you. Physical body, allow them to pray for you. Um, and they'll be happy to do that. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not made that, I think everyone in here knows Jesus, but maybe there's a recommitment that you need to make. Let them pray with you. Amen? Stasha and I love you so much. Um, I will be here Wednesday night, so I hope to see you Wednesday night. If not, I will see you in a couple of weeks. God bless you. Doug, Lisa. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your patience with us, Lord. Help us to always remember, Lord, your priorities, Lord, your perspective. And God, help us to live the lives that you've called each and every one of us to live. Help us to be the examples to those around us. And Lord, today, go with us as we leave this building. Lord, as we go out, help us to uh, be a light in our community, in our places of work, in our homes, to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers. Help us to always keep those things in perspective, Lord, that, that you've called us to go out and to touch people's lives. We thank you and praise you for all that you're going to do in and through us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.